Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 52. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 52. I like saying it more than once but I won't do it 52 times. It is your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the fabulously successful, the sweeping the world phenomenon, Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, Gary's producer and podcast co-host. That's like jazz in the background, man. Well, the reason we're here is for somebody who's always quite a bit jazzy. He is the star of our show. And I hope you'll welcome him, please, with a wild round of applause. It is the inimitable Mr. Gary Renard. Thank you. Thank you very much. The crowds, they're going wild for you, Gary. International crowds. It's great, yeah. I've gone international. Uh, I think I'm doing more things overseas now uh, than I am in America. So it's uh, been really wild. Uh, I just got back from a month of traveling, and uh, it was a really wild trip. Started off in Greece and uh, did a retreat there with my friend uh, Jennifer Hadley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was good, but it was really hot and humid, and it was one of those places where you have to, you know, do a hundred stairs to go anywhere, <laughs> and there, there was no uh, elevator, and I was just sweating all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, it worked out. But in it, it was on uh, the Greek island of Andros, uh-huh. and from Athens, you have to take a two-hour ferry ride to get there and back. And I don't know. Greek, and most of the signs are not in English, uh, and people in Greece don't speak English like in many other countries in Europe. Oh. And, so uh, so but, no matter where you went, it was all Greek to you. Yeah, you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I forgot. Wait. Uh, thank you so much. Back to you, Gare. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, that was, you know, that was a while, and it, it was definitely uh, a great experience. Good Greek restaurants. Mm. Uh, some very nice towns and beaches, and I was there for almost two weeks. And uh, then, uh, well, that was a retreat. There were actually four teachers. It was me, Jennifer, Maria Philippe, uh, who's a, a Spanish uh, teacher. She speaks both English and Spanish, but she teaches the course mostly uh, to Spanish-speaking people. Mm-hmm. And she has a Spanish Course Miracles group, and she does a Sunday church service in Spanish at the Burbank Unity uh, Church here. And the fourth teacher was actually doing her very first uh, thing, uh, and her name is Pat, and she's from uh, Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, she didn't say too much, but you know, she looked promising. And and uh, you know, the, the most fun about doing retreats is that you meet a lot of people from different parts of the world uh, who are into the course. So there were people there from, uh, you know, New Zealand and Australia and Africa and India and places like that. So you do get to meet a lot of people. And that that may be the best part of uh, conferences and retreats. I don't always find them to be the best uh, when it comes to learning about the course because you're bound to have teachers there who don't stick to the course or, uh, you know, don't really teach you. It's not their top commitment. So it's not always the best source of information, but it's a great place 
uh, to meet people who are into A Course in Miracles from all over the world, and I'm sure that'll be the case uh, next April in New York City. Uh, Cindy and I are speaking at the conference uh, in New York City next year, and uh, we'll give a presentation that sticks to the course. Yeah. And uh, the great thing, though, is just meeting all these people, and maybe that's been the best part. You know, when, when I look back on this uh, in the future, and I've been doing this for about 11 years as far as speaking is concerned, I think I may just realize that the best part of the whole thing was just the people that you get to meet. And uh, they really are great people and uh, very loving, very peaceful people. And, yeah, you get that 10 or 15% who are wackos. But, uh, you know, for, for the most part... <laughs> well, we're, we're all wackos when it yeah. comes to the course community. But so, I mean that in the, there's good wacko, and then there's kind of the, the weird wacko. Well, we're weird, right. too, but you know what I'm saying. Well, uh, 90% of them are, yeah. are good, good wackos. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, we've always said that, whether it was the cruises or other events or certainly anything that I've done, small or large groups, when it's Course in Miracles, folks... You just have a wonderful time, even just socializing, even when you're you're sort of not on course in terms of of subject matter. But I think because it uh, the course attracts and certainly helps to develop a very loving attitude, because people tend to be very non-judgmental and they're very forgiving and they're very open and kind. You know, Cindy talks so much about kindness, and that really is is because the course always talks about bringing peace. If we do anything in the world, we need do nothing, but if you're going to do something, do something that brings peace and extends love and kindness. So when you have a group of people who are kind of focused on that way of thinking, you're going to have a wonderful time no matter what it is you're doing or talking about. Yes, and uh, those are the kinds of people who I found uh, on this very long trip uh, from <laughs> Greece. Uh, I went to Helsinki, Finland, and... Uh, our friend who you've met on right. Cruise, uh, Yuha, is my publisher in uh, Helsinki, and he's written an excellent book in Finnish about the course, mm -hmm. and uh, it's doing pretty well. He really knows the course. Like us, he's a musician. He has six or seven bass guitars at his house, and he has a recording studio, and mm. he has a sauna. And after, you know, I did the sauna, which is you know, very hot. It was hotter than anything. I've ever experienced. Oh, it's like a living hell in a sauna, yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, at one point I actually had to leave and come back because it was just uh, so hot. But uh, at the same time, it really relaxes you. And uh, when we finished, uh, he ran outside and, and jumped in the ice-cold water. <laughs> There's that picture of him on Facebook. Probably a lot of folks listening to this have either seen it, or, or if not, you can connect maybe through Gary's site on Facebook or page or whatever it might be. But yeah, you guys got this picture of him. And it's like, you know when they go ice fishing and they cut a hole in thick, thick ice on a lake or someplace, and then they fish? He's in it. He's they like got a bathing suit, and he's and I think he has a picture of is it the disappearance, the book. Uh, yeah, he's reading actually. He's reading uh, or, your mortal reality. your mortal reality. And he's <laughs> laying there in, on an inner tube in the ice water, like it's a big hot tub, but it's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> people are crazy in Finland, obviously. <laughs> they are. They really are, and uh, they pride themselves on their sauna. They call it a sauna. Sauna. Yeah, and uh, you know I. Practically every house in Finland has one. Oh. Like uh, it's the national pastime. <laughs> There's not not an awful lot of competition for pastime apparently in Finland. No, 
No, there was one guy at dinner. Uh, he was from the tundra up north, uh-huh. <laughs> about five hundred feet, five hundred miles north, and uh, and he starts talking about how there are no women within fifty miles, <laughs> and and that all you do is masturbate every day. Oh well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're all laughing at dinner, and it, and he and he keeps repeating it, <laughs> and it's like with that Finnish accent, and it's just so funny. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, these people are characters, and uh, uh, so well, all those stereotypes about wild Scandinavian parties—I guess it's not always true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, in their uh, saunas, it's like a community thing. You know, the men and the woman will all go in there together, totally naked. Oh, and uh, you know, nobody—it's not a sexual thing. I mean, nobody makes a, a big sex thing out of it. It's just uh, their their way. It's right, like they're right. uh, before. Uh, you know, there were so many hospitals. Uh, they were born there in the sauna, and they lived there in the sauna, and they died there in the sauna. Uh. And it's just, uh, you know, the way that uh, you know, the country's culture yeah. uh, developed. And uh, it ended up being a great time, and the workshops went extremely well. We did, uh, you know, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, I also did a Tuesday night. And we had a lot of people, and, and the books are doing well. Yuha has translated all three of my books mm-hmm. into Finnish. And, uh, you know, the, the people were great, and it was just a great experience. And then from there, uh, I went to Paris. I know, a tough job. Oh, really? Uh, I went and to- I know you, you, you've said how much you hate going to Paris. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love Paris. And, yeah. uh, I was there for a week with my friend uh, Sylvain uh, de Belay. And uh, he's also my translator, and uh-huh. he put put together the workshops. That was also an, an all day Saturday, all day Sunday event, and uh, it was great. I just had a great time uh, in Paris, Sylvain place, right next to uh, the Eiffel Tower, and uh, we hung out there quite a bit. And uh, we did a video and took some pictures, and uh, then uh, you know, we, we just did some really cool things. And uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we did have a cutout there for a minute. And, you know, either, as we all know, either I will go back and try to edit and fix that, or perhaps I won't, because I think our audience actually enjoys hearing these strange technical problems that invariably happen. Uh, A little little cutout, but other than that, you sounded fine. Yeah, it shows that it's real. It is real. That's the thing. We don't don't phony up anything. This is the real deal. That's right. And Sylvain and I we went to the top of the Champs Elysees. Uh, oh, can you actually? I didn't know you could go up on that thing. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's the Arc de Triomphe right. at the beginning of the uh, Champs Elysees. Uh-huh. Champs Elysees ends at this uh, uh, kind of like obelisk. Uh, oh, so it's not the Arc you can go up on? Yes. Oh, uh, it is? You can go up to the top of the uh, Arc de Triomphe. No kidding. See, I, know, I had no idea you could actually do that. Wow, that must be amazing. What a view. Yeah, it's a fabulous view of uh, Paris. You can see everywhere, everything. And, uh, you know, that was a great experience. You can really see how the city is laid out and how it was planned. You know, it's like uh, most cities are built by engineers, but uh, the people who built Paris, weren't they weren't just engineers, they were artists. And yeah. uh, it's a beautiful city. Yeah, and as I understand, it, w- it was built intentionally. It didn't just happen and grow up. You know, it didn't just come from uh, organic origins. It was actually thought out. So it has a, a sense to it, and as you say, an artistic sense. Absolutely. And uh, I've been to other places, because uh, this is my third time there, and I've been to the uh, Versailles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was fortunate to be there when the uh, fountains were running, which uh-huh. 
they don't do all the time because it takes too much water yeah. uh, to do it. And that, was, that was great. And uh, I got out on the uh, River Seine. We call it the Seine. They call it the Seine. Mm-hmm. And uh, you really see a lot when you get out on the river and, and do a, a river tour of uh, Paris. And we spent a lot of time on the Champs-Élysées. There's a lot of uh, cafes. You know, it's like endless cafes. <laughs> I, I would imagine, yeah. Champs-Élysées. And they're up and down uh, the sidewalks. And then you have all the shops and the stores, which is kind of like a, a huge version of uh, Rodeo Drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's fun that people watch there because you get people from all over the world. And uh, it's just a, a really, really cool place to be. It's great to just sit there. Uh, watch the world go by, you know, sip a glass of wine, and uh, which, of course, I didn't do. But No, no. You know, I, I had to watch Sylvain and make sure <laughs> that he was okay. <laughs> but, uh, Somebody had to be the sane and sober one, you know, so you took it as a dirty job. Yeah, well, you know, I lie a lot, right? <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, it was a great experience. And uh, the workshops, uh, I've uh, found that uh, my work has really gone more international, uh, I get just as many offers to come and speak or more uh, overseas now. And, yeah, I, I'm speaking in America, too. I mean, I have some big workshops come up in America. We're doing Kentucky next week. Oh, that should be fun. And uh, it'll be my first time actually speaking in Kentucky. I've been yeah. there, but I've never spoken there. And the day after the workshop, our sponsor is taking us to the racetrack for the first time. Uh, be my first time at a racetrack. Imagine me uh, drinking at a racetrack. What could possibly go wrong? No, no. Mint juleps <laughs> and Gary. I don't know what could happen there. But uh, they take it seriously. I mean, you have, oh, yeah. you have to dress, you have to dress up. Uh, Cindy's going to wear this really nice dress with a hat. You need a and, hat for the ladies, yeah. Yeah, and I have to wear a jacket and a tie. And uh, they take it, uh, it's their social life, and they take it very seriously. This will be another another James Bond reference for you and your mo- favorite Bond movie, Goldfinger. Remember that he ended up in uh, in Kentucky somewhere? He was drinking mint juleps with with Goldfinger that on that horse farm that, that was a front for his uh, his plan by, near Fort Knox, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember the movie well. That was, uh, that was my first uh, James Bond movie. I, I hadn't seen Dr. No or From Russia With Love yet. Uh-huh. So that was my first one. I was about 12 years old. And, uh, it might have been my first one, too. I might have seen the other ones afterwards, yeah. Me, too, yeah. It was, but it was really great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole trip to Europe, uh, it was almost a month. And, and then uh, coming home, uh, instead of flying directly home from Paris to L.A., uh, I had to fly to Moscow. <laughs> you were like telling that. me briefly before we started, yeah, that you, you took a, a jaunt over to Moscow before coming back to the States. Yeah, it's kind of like going the wrong way. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but we saved uh, $1,200. That's why we did it, because they wanted $2,000 to fly me on a direct flight from yeah. Paris to L.A. Wow. And I couldn't uh, have a, a you know two-way flight because I was going there on uh, Air Baltic from Helsinki <laughs> to Paris. <laughs> and so I had to have a different flight on a different airline, and we just couldn't find anything that was, uh, you know, relatively, uh, you know, cost-effective. So uh. we found out that if I flew through Moscow and had a 10-hour layover in Moscow, that we could save $1,200. So uh, that's what I ended up doing. And I ended up, by the time I was finished the layover in Moscow, I could barely keep my eyes open. I didn't want to fall asleep because I was afraid I'd miss the flight. Yeah. You know, so it was like, 
torture just, you know, after all that time. And I'd already had another flight, so it's like uh, it was all I could do to stay awake. But I did make the flight, and then it was a 14-hour flight home, and it was like, Jesus. You know, the seats were very uncomfortable, and, and it was a nonstop 14-hour flight from Moscow to uh, L.A., and it was, uh, you know, not very uh, comfortable. And by the time I got home, uh, I was kind of like hurting, but I didn't have any time. I had one day to get ready and do everything and pack and and. We had to drive up to Berkeley, uh, which is a six-hour drive, and, and we did a workshop on Sunday. And this was uh, by the time you know I got there and recovered a little bit, we were able to do the workshop, and uh, it was great because it was uh, put together by Cindy's mom, ah. uh, Doris, and uh, and she uh, was kind of like a teacher. She did this uh, pipe organ demonstration because it was in the sanctuary with this huge pipe organ. And for those who don't know, Cindy's mom has a Ph.D. in music, uh, as well as psychology. Yeah, a double and, Ph.D. Uh, I hate people like that. Doris, how dare you? Really? <laughs> how really? dare you make me feel so uneducated? <laughs> yeah, two PhDs. She's a brilliant lady, yeah. Hey, I went to high school. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and uh, Cindy's sister, Jackie, was uh, there. Mm-hmm. She spoke to the group for a while about her new uh, Internet TV series. That yeah, she and Mark, her husband, right? Yeah, he's he's like uh, the producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls him her showrunner. <laughs> and, uh, it's like uh, is I, is he not on camera doing stuff with her? No, he's. Uh, oh, he ought to be. He's he's a tall, handsome guy. He should be there. See, I'm putting in yeah, a plug for Mark here because he's a great guy. But no, he's a real great looking guy. I thought he'd be he'd be the handsome, dashing co-host. Maybe eventually. I think so. Uh, because he also speaks very well. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, but Jackie has a lot of on-camera experience. Uh, she used to be on TV back east, uh-huh. and uh, she has a lot of uh, experience in television presence. She's, uh, I mean, she could go on, you know, Good Morning America tomorrow morning and take over. She's that <laughs> good. She's taking over, baby. That's right. But they want to have a different kind of a show. It's going to be a very positive show. Uh, every week they're going to highlight, at least one-fourth of the show, they're going to highlight a very positive uh, news story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Yeah, there's got to be one or two of those, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> when they get it going strong, I'll let people know about it, and I'll, I'll let them know what the uh, website address is when the time comes. Maybe our next podcast will be going. Yeah, they may have something up and running by then. Yeah, and uh, I'm their first guest, but, uh, you know, she, she had to kind of like have me as her first guest because I'm her brother-in-law. You know? That's right. But, uh, hey, it'll be a ratings bonanza with Gary Renard. Yeah, but uh, she's going to have a lot of a uh, lot of well-known uh, guests, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm kind of like uh, you know doing some different things. I just started writing a series of articles about A Course in Miracles. I read the beginning of the one that that you had that was uh, I think again it was on the Facebook page it was linked and uh, yeah so I I think it was just the intro that I read and I suppose there's a full article or there's more articles to come in the series. Yeah, uh, uh, the magazine is called Elevated Existence Magazine. Their website is elevatedexistence.com. They also have a paper version. Uh, very good magazine. Uh, it's an award-winning magazine. Mm. Very good quality. Uh, they have a lot of uh, very well-known teachers. Our friend uh, Doreen Virtue, who recorded uh, the DU uh, audiobook with us, That's she's right. on there a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, you know some uh, popular teachers. And I'm 
I'm the one who's writing about A Course in Miracles, and, uh, you know, it's a uh, very good uh, exposure for both me and the Course, because a lot of people are learning about the Course for the first time uh, through this website, and I'll be writing an article. They come out every three months, and I plan on writing maybe about ten of them. Mm-hmm. So that would take two and a half years, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's a, a very good thing, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a little bit different for me. Uh, most of the year now, about half the year, I have uh, plenty of time to write. Like from uh, let's say by the time we get back from Rio until uh, the course conference next April, we really don't have much to do. We just have a couple of very short trips that we can drive to here in California. And aside from that, uh, it's not a lot of heavy travel uh, after, well, I'm going to Brazil and Spain, but, uh, you know, it's hard to think of uh, going to Rio for nine days as work. You know, one would think, yeah, it's tough to sell that one. There's a, that's a tough row to hoe. We are doing a course conference in uh, Rio, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, that'll be great because my books are out there in Portuguese now. It took forever to get a good translation. Yeah. In Portuguese, but you said the course the course is pretty popular down there, right? Yeah, uh, the course is getting more and more popular in South America, mm-hmm. and of course, most of South America speaks Spanish, but Brazil speaks their own brand of Portuguese, which is a little different than the Portuguese that they speak in Portugal. So up until now, uh, if your book is published in Portuguese, there are two different versions. Mm. But they're trying to uh, kind of like unify that, make a you know single. Uh, version of Portuguese that books can be published in that can be read by uh, both places. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I do have a good publisher and a good translation, and I already had people. I'd already been there before and had a good crowd, even though my books weren't published yet in Portuguese. So I'm sure we'll do even better now that they are. And uh, yeah, it does seem that I've gone more uh, international, but that's good. You know, it's like next year uh, I'll be going twice to uh, mainland China. And I've agreed to go there twice a year for the next five years. Oh, wow. So uh, I like that because the course is new on the mainland. It's only been out on the mainland for a year and a half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's my way of helping to get the course off on the right foot uh, there and, and try to help people to understand what it's actually saying because if, uh, if it isn't carefully explained to them, then people just make up their own version, as you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, they do that in the English-speaking world, so <laughs> I can right. only imagine when there's a language barrier, yeah. But uh, I've seen some uh, videotapes of some of the Course Miracles classes that have been conducted on the mainland by the Chinese translator, Chao Lin, uh, who was also the person who translated uh, Disference of the Universe into the Chinese, and uh, they're very enthusiastic. Mm. They're, they're very uh, loud. Uh, they're young. The students there of the Course are young mm-hmm. and, and very... Uh, very happy and laughing and uh, having a really good time. So I'm looking forward to going there for the first time. Cindy's coming with me uh, at least the first time. I don't know if, how many times she'll come, but I know she'll come the first time. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So there are a lot of different and exciting things uh, happening. Uh, looks like I'm going to be in a movie, but I'm not in a regular theatrical movie, not a documentary. And uh, I get to play myself. And uh, I'll be speaking at a workshop, and this guy asked me questions afterwards, and uh, it, it looks like it might be interesting. You never know what, what's going to be big, you know, so you keep plugging away. And, uh, you know, my 
reason for wanting to have more exposure has really not very much to do with me because when I'm in between gigs, it's like I'm a very uh, quiet person. I'm behind the scenes. I don't talk about the course. I don't bring it up to people. Uh, I tend to just be pretty quiet until I get out in front of a crowd and start speaking about it. Then it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. So You just unleash Reverend Gary when that happens. That's right. That's right. And so uh, my only reason for wanting exposure is because it makes uh, or helps more people to be aware of my books and read my books and to be more aware of A Course in Miracles and study the Course with uh, the help of my books. And to me, that's always what it's been about. It's never really been about me. It's been about the message and about sharing it with people. Uh, Ever since I was first introduced to the Course, which has been about 22 years now, uh, all that I've ever really wanted to do is uh, share the Course with people. And it took me half that time. It took me, uh, well, you know, at least 10 years to finish the first book and uh, for it to actually be published. So it's been about 11 years now since I actually started speaking yeah. uh, about the course to people in public. And uh, it's been great. It's been a great experience. It hasn't always been easy. You know, you've got those, uh, we call them trolls on the Internet, uh. who are, uh, you know, they, they're almost always anonymous, and they're always going around saying terribly negative things about people and attacking people. And, hey, you know, that's, uh, you know, their thing, and, you know, the Holy Spirit will meet people wherever they are. And, uh, you know, hopefully eventually they'll come to realize that attack is not salvation. <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about this for years, both in the shows and, and independently, that, yeah, there seems to be like a subset, and I'll say within the cor- the greater Course in Miracles community, but they're really, I mean, I can't see how they could be considered really Course people, and, and there is this this group, I, I don't know what, it's like the, the tea party of spirituality or something. It's a group within a group, but they're so negative and nasty. And it's like everything that they talk about, is, and I don't mean to generalize, but it is the same kind of message. Everything they seem to, these types of people bring up is all attack based. It's all completely without forgiveness. It's, and so how can you possibly be in the Course in Miracles thought system at all? and gravitate so heavily towards that way of thinking. I mean, we all we all have our slip-ups. We all get mad at somebody now and then, but we forgive it and move on. But these are people who just are like little bulldogs hanging on to stuff that they hate, and they're never going to stop. And it's like, why, you know, I, aren't there other venues or other schools of thought that would be more attractive to your trollism <laughs> rather than exactly. but may, maybe, uh, you know, who knows, some kind of approach avoidance thing within them. They they want so much what the course offers, but they just can't bring themselves to embrace it. So it is odd. Well, you know, Gene, uh, insane people uh, don't know that they're projecting. Yeah. yeah. They just think that they're right. Yeah. And, uh, about they don't, everything. <laughs> yes, and they don't understand the course, and they don't understand what they're doing to themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope they come around eventually. But, uh, you know, the guidance that I received is that I've got two kinds of people. You know, it's like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's like, Gary, you got two kinds of people. you got your people and not your people. <laughs> and it's like, uh, why waste? your time and your energy and your attention uh, on the people who are not your people and who are not interested in learning from you when you have all these other people who are interested 
Yeah. And they do want to learn, and they do want to learn the course, and they, they do want to apply it and have it in their lives. So what I've tried to do is spend as little time as possible on the trolls and as much time as possible with the people who really are interested. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's you know, a very good way to go about it. And, and you know, I, the... used to, I used to be very concerned, you know, because it's not that I was uh, angry or unforgiving. It's just that at the beginning I was very surprised. Mm. That they were that there were these kinds of people who would call themselves a course of miracle students. Uh I was really surprised by that. And I didn't expect it and I wasn't ready for it. But as the years went on I got used to it and I realized, you know, why why bother with that? Just spend your time uh working on the things that are positive and spending your time with the people who are interested in getting something out of what you're saying and what you're writing. And uh Art and Purse have always advised me uh, very well on that subject. I, ha- I haven't always listened to them as well as I should have. <laughs> but uh, you notice in the third book, uh, they told me, look, Gary, you've already answered all the questions anyway. You know, you've been around long enough, so every possible question about you and your work has been asked, and the questions have been answered. So in the future, why don't you just refer people to things? Say, hey, look, I've already answered that. I'm not going to talk about it again. Uh, you know, you can look it up. I give them out reference numbers or something. Yeah, yeah, really. And, uh, you know, since I'd say, uh, especially the last uh, three or four years, it's been much more relaxed from an inner point of view and from an inner state so that, you know, you get this, uh, you know, battleground raging out there, but the course describes, you know, actually applying the course and looking at things with right perception as being above the battleground. So it is possible to be above the battleground and not affected by all this uh, madness. I mean, look at the world lately. Look at all the the madness that has been going on uh, in the world lately. It's like a zoo. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I've been saying that for a while, That and I said, I don't know if it's just me, or since everybody is me, it doesn't matter. We all are one, so we all experience it together, that I think that it has, the madness has stepped up. I mean, it's certainly if I look at my lifetime, in my human lifetime, you know, in uh, in all 39 years that I've been around, <coughs> sorry, uh, did I say that? No. So, yeah, you, we've talked, I'm 62 years old, and all of the time that I can remember, it has just progressively gotten crazier. And I lived through the 60s, <laughs> so that's saying something. But really? but it's more intense now, the the insanity and the, and the polarity. You have much greater love in the world, I think, than we've ever perhaps seen before, and much more intense hatreds. And, you know, maybe that's just the ego playing it out. Or as we said, maybe it's part of the end game. I'm not saying it's almost over, but as as it winds down, which it inevitably is doing, maybe the ego is getting more desperate as it feels itself being dissolved. You know, and, and so I got to up the stakes, keep keep the conflict raging even, even hotter. You know, I think that uh, that's true. And I say, you know, thank God for the course. Because, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, it's like at the end. It says, uh, in every difficulty, each perplexity, and all distress, you know, Christ calls to you and gently says, my brother, choose again. Yeah. So, at least we know what things are for, no matter how crazy the world appears to get. At least we know it's for forgiveness, and that we can turn to the Holy Spirit, and uh, we can choose again, and say, okay, there's the madness that doesn't exist, and then there's reality that is just beyond the madness, just beyond the veil. Yeah that we can think about and, you know, we can actually be that. We can actually be love. We can, we can actually be spirit. 
through our practice, through our forgiveness. And then, no matter how wild and crazy it gets, at least we know it is for, and we can use that uh, to take yet another step uh, closer to home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if I didn't find the course uh, 22 years ago, I, I think my life would have been pretty sad. But uh, because of the course, I've been able to, you know, stay sane and, and get saner and, uh, you know, actually use all the craziness for what the course would have us use it for. Right. Like, like the course asked us several times, what is it for? At least I know now what everything is for. There was a time in my life when I didn't know what anything was for. You know, and now I know what everything is for, and that's a difference. Yeah. Because you can't, you know, you can't make sense of something that's completely insane. So you, and you drive yourself crazy trying to, and you either end up insane yourself or horribly disappointed because there's no way to make it good, you know. But as you say, the course shows you there's another another alternative to that. And it's, yeah, it it's not trying to say that the world doesn't suck. <laughs> it's just saying there's a reason why the world sucks, so that you can see that the world is not real. Nothing this sucky could be real, or certainly not something created by a loving God. So when you say, oh, so this is the example that I gave myself, because I invented the world I see, and it's only there for one reason, to be forgiven, so that I do actually let it go and reawaken to my reality. So, you know, that's the purpose you can see in everything. And maybe, as you say, when when you get good at it, you no longer have to forgive a stubbed toe, or certainly not for very long, or somebody cuts you off in traffic and like, this is child's play as far as forgiveness goes. So let's have some real problems, some real hatred, some real, you know, let's have ISIS, you know, some horrible group of people who are beheading people. I mean, you know, how much more hateful and despicable could could an image be? And yet we are called on to forgive that because it's no different from the stub toe. It's all illusion. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, I know we're going to do a couple of questions here. We're going to cram in a couple of questions for Gary. I got one for you that I wanted to bring up because it's in the news right now, and, and it, I think it would be a, a good example to bring up. In, in our last podcast, we cheerfully discussed the subject of suicide and actually had a lot of really good comments from people. They said, you know, what I really love was that you guys took this really serious subject and you actually dealt with it with real caring because we we talked on both sides of the equation that it was both look this is a very serious thing for people or their families who are involved suicide is the, one of the most horrible things anyone can live with you know with a loved one who does that or or yourself you're drawn you know whatever but we also were just cracking up about it because you know it it is also another illusion to be laughed away and people said that was great because yeah it now i can i can breathe about it you know i i realize there is some hope to be had it's not all that it's the bleakness that that draws you into the thought of suicide and the laughter does pull you away even when it's the subject matter so that worked over really well and i said uh, you know since we did so well with suicide let's just real quickly talk about ebola How's that, Gary? Is that, is that a good, happy topic? But I just wanted to touch on that because here it is, the, the latest bugaboo and the latest bug in this case, the, the, this horrible thing that everybody's, ooh. And uh, earlier today, I, there was a doctor, some authority guy on the news, one of the news programs, and unlike everybody else who's been banging the alarm bells, the first case of Ebola in the United States, like, oh, this is it now, Armageddon is unleashed. And he said... I think people really need to step back a little bit. He said, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a horrible disease if you get it. 
and 3,000 some odd people have died, which is terrible. But he says this is nothing compared to other stuff that's out there right now. You know, hepatitis and HIV. Influenza kills millions of people. And this was 3,000. So, yeah, it's a bad disease, but it's not particularly contagious. It, you know, it, we know how to handle it. It's just that it's breaking loose in areas where they can't handle it because they don't have any kind of medical, you know, facilities to, to deal with this thing. So he was saying, look, he said, and it was funny because it was almost coarse-like what he said, you're born in, on a, into a, a body on Earth. Earth is filled with bacteria and virus. They're all out to attack you. Your body is fighting them off all the time. You can get killed by a shark. You can be mauled by a bear. It's a dangerous planet and people die all the time, but that's just the way it is in this world. So we deal with it, and we learn how to make things more safe, medically and, and in every way, and, and we don't die as often as time goes on. We, we get better at surviving. So he says this is just another challenge. It's, it's not even as bad as other ones we're facing every day. So, you know, keep a lid on it. So that was pretty intelligent. You'll probably never hear him on the news again. <laughs> it made a little too much sense. But I said, isn't that kind of what we would do from a course perspective? Yeah, a lot of things are terrible, you know, uh, don't run around in traffic. Don't do stupid things. Be careful. But at the same time, don't be paralyzed by fear and see it from the bigger, more objective uh, observer's position, as you mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's all uh, relative as well. Like, um, you know, back in 1918, there was uh, an influenza outbreak. At the time, they called it the plague, but uh, it was an influenza outbreak. And uh, in New York City, over the space of one month, it killed 50,000 people Jeez. You know, in just one month. Now, if that happened today, uh, it would definitely be considered to be the end of the world. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't the end of the world then, and it wouldn't be the end of the world now, even if 50,000 people died in one month in New York City. And, uh, you know, so we uh, you know, have a hysterical news media that blows everything out of proportion. So, uh, you know, we, we think that uh, it's a terrible problem when the truth is the problems that, uh, you know, we have in some cases, and certainly there are some very serious problems, but in some cases they are blown out of proportion. Now, according to the course and the course's perspective, uh, it's not really the germs or the bacteria that is causing this. It's uh, the mind. It's like all illness and sickness originates in the mind. Uh, the Course teaches that uh, it's the mind that gets sick and only the mind that gets well. It's the decision of the patient to get sick. It's the decision of the patient to get well. And uh, the Course completely removes us from the body or anything that has to do with the body. So none of it is true. None of it is real. And uh, this whole Ebola thing is in the mind, and that's where it has to be healed. And yes, we can... Uh, seem to have outside agents administering to us and doctors and, and all these medicines. But if somebody gets well from Ebola, and not everybody dies from Ebola, about right. half of them, and about half of them uh, survive. And uh, the ones that survive are the ones who decide at the level of the mind to survive, because it's the same disease and the same bacteria, supposedly, in the body. So what's the difference between those who die and those who don't? And it's always a decision that is made at the level of the mind. Well, ultimately, yeah. also, the mind is projecting everything. So you're, the mind is projecting an Ebola virus, 
and the mind is projecting a body that becomes sick from that, or the body, or, or if, if there's a healthy body, the mind is also projecting that. None of them are real. So the, all of the healing has to, has to be in the mind because all of the projection is coming from the mind. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And uh, as course students, our job is always the same. You know, uh, it may sound like a broken record, but it has to because everything is for the same purpose. Yeah. So rather than uh, being fearful of this, it's our job to be the ones to forgive it. And, you know, if we don't forgive it, who will? (laughs) (laughs) There there is no one else. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, that's our job, no matter what comes up. Now, uh, I'm not saying that on the level of form, we shouldn't, uh, you know, take it seriously. If if we were going to do something about it, then my only advice would be, don't do it alone. You know, do it with the Holy Spirit. Do it Mm -hmm. with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a certain irony to that, because if you forgive, and if you're calm, and if you're thinking clearly, and if you're open to inspiration from the Holy Spirit, then the irony is is that you may think of a better way to serve and a better way to help people than you would have if you were all upset and worried. So uh, it's like, when are you the most effective? Is it when you're upset and worried, or is it when you're calm and thinking clearly? And uh, we're always more open to inspiration, which can be very practical on the level of form and in the projection, even though we know that we're not in the projection and then it's not real. Uh, what we end up doing is we end up extending love into the projection. Now, it doesn't matter that you're extending love into an illusion. That's not the important point. The important point is the love, because the love is real. That's the part that's true. So, uh, as the Course says, and we've quoted this many times, but teach only love, for that is what you are. Mm. If you do that, then you can just be love, and you don't have to worry uh, about the fault you, because now you're focusing on the real you and the Holy Spirit, and and through forgiveness you're undoing the fault you anyway. So, uh, now you're sending love, and it doesn't matter that the whole thing is a dream and that the whole thing is an illusion. That'll take care of itself through forgiveness. But now you can just say, okay, I am love. What can I do to be love? And the Holy Spirit will show you. Uh, one of my favorite quotes in the Course is, uh, it says, it was after that part, I need do nothing. Uh, it says, do nothing and let love show you what to do. Mm. In other words, you know, it's not that you're not going to do anything, but now you're doing it with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit can guide you to things that will help people even more because... Uh, it's not that you have to. It's not that you have to do anything. It's not that you have to help people. It's just that you may feel guided and even inspired as to better ways to help people. You know, as we've talked about on the show several times, and as you've talked about in your books, uh, when you're when you're practicing forgiveness, you're not doing that to change an outcome in the world. But quite often, as sort of a happy side effect often the world will change for the better because of that, and or at least as an adjunct to that. It's not the result of it, and it's not the reason you're doing it. But as you said, in the forgiving process, you simply become open to the Holy Spirit just by doing so. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, I hadn't thought of that before, and there's a better solution. Or let me try this instead of that, and this one works. And that's not what you were doing it for, 
but it's a little bonus, an extra that you get because you did that, that you might not, probably not would have had before if you hadn't done that. So, yeah, and again, that's being in the world, but not of it. It's not real. I'm not really dealing with it, but it'd be nice if my foot didn't hurt. And then when you forgive something and suddenly your foot doesn't hurt, I don't know that that was a result, but it was a nice side effect. Yeah, I like that you call it um, a side effect because... Uh, it really is kind of like a uh, fringe benefit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like uh, in the uh, Song of Prayer section of the Course, it's talking about the Song of Prayer. The real Song of Prayer is love, but then it talks about the harmonics, the overtones. Mm. You know, these are uh, like, uh, you know, it's not the song, but along with the song comes the harmonics and the overtones. Yeah. Those are the side effects that you're talking about, where you focus on forgiveness, and forgiveness leads to love automatically, uh, you focus on that, and then you have uh, you know these side effects, these fringe benefits, the overtones, the harmonics that come along with it, which are uh, kind of like gifts that go along with it. It's, it's like uh, changing the world is certainly uh, not the purpose of the Course at all. It's to seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. But the irony of the whole thing is that if you do it, uh, you can be inspired to actually make your life better with through inspiration, through ideas that come into your mind. Uh, you can find better ways uh, to, you know, extend your love to people in the form. It looks like you're helping them, but it's really about uh, the love. And, uh, you know, you can actually end up being more effective in the world and actually more successful and have a better life. And... Uh, that's not what it's about. It's like that's not your focus. It's like uh, in a movie theater, your focus now is instead of being on the screen is on the projector. Right. And uh, the irony, once again, is that if you change what's in the projector, then the screen will take care of itself. Right. That's think, that. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's the only thing that, that will. Yeah. But now your focus has changed uh, from being at the effect of the screen to being at cause. And I, I love the beautiful, very artistic, poetic way the Course phrases things that are not there just for the beauty of it, but because it really does give a deeper understanding, as you just said about the harmonics. It's a, it's a perfect way to kind of sum that up. Uh, the Course talks a lot about echoes. You know, it's not this, but it's the echoes of that. And it talks about well, the forgiven world. It's not heaven, but you can see heaven's light reflected there. So echoes and reflections and harmonics, and it's this beautiful beautiful way of of giving you the feel of what it is and oh now i kind of get that it makes it you know multi-dimensional for me now it's not okay you know it it it, i don't know even how to phrase it any better than that but uh it's amazing the way those those words symbols of symbols but yet when when the master is painting uh it's like impressionistic painting each little element doesn't seem to make sense but when you step back and look at it 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 evokes an emotion out of you it's like so there's a result there that i didn't know from the little parts that were there so uh it's amazing how well that that plays out yeah and uh of course you know it's all symbolic Uh, anything that is not perfect spirit, total oneness, uh, the oneness of heaven and God, anything else is symbolic. But uh, those symbols can kind of like be symbolic of the fact that you're going home instead of being stuck here. And uh, that's a good difference. That's a happy difference. That's a difference between a happy dream and an unhappy dream. So, uh, you know, it's okay uh, to have those things in your life and have good things 
uh, happen in your life. Every every, he, every crummy thing that happens to you, you no longer see it as, you know, a Satan out to get you or God hating you or anything like that. You now see it as the Holy Spirit awakening you. There's another thing given to me, a gift for me to forgive, which leave, leads me upward, let, lets me rise above it. So, uh, yeah, it's a whole different change in, in perspective. Absolutely, and uh, I think that's a, a good note to, I have to end pretty soon here, because... Uh, Let me jump in with just one quick one, because I, I wanted to get this one in. It was an old question. It's a very brief one, and it's timely, and I'll explain okay. why in a second. This came in from Larissa, and uh, it was, again, from our archives. This is from, I told you, we never get rid of these things. This is from a couple of years ago. The reason, because we get in like 100 questions, and we answer one, but we'll, we'll get to more of them. But this one was good because, as we're doing this podcast, for people listening in the future, uh, we're doing it in October. And you know what comes up in October, other than pumpkin pie, it's, of course, Halloween. Oh. I don't have any sound effects uh, here, but I'll see if I can add some. Oh, there. <laughs> I did not make this up. <laughs> That's the telephone line. Wait a minute. Where's the other one? Oh, there it is. <laughs> There's my Halloween sound effect. I swear to goodness. I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ah, but the reason I thought this would be good is because here, here's what the question, it's not about Halloween specifically, <laughs> but it's kind of in that, that eerie sort of way. Question for Gary. I'll read it in this voice, although I'm sure Larissa doesn't sound like that. Well, this would be if, if Boris was reading it on behalf of lovely Larissa. Question for Gary. I know everything in this world is an illusion, but can you give greater explanation of the illusions regarding demons, ghosts, paranormal activity, and exorcisms. <laughs> that was pretty good. What do you think yeah. of that there? Ghosts and demons, that's all Halloween-y stuff. Exorcisms, not so much Halloween, but what the heck? Well, yeah, All Souls Day, All Saints Day, that's, that's yeah, bring in the Catholics. Paranormal stuff. What about that in terms of those being illusions? How does that fit into the, the big picture? Well, yeah. And it's true that uh, it's all illusion. Uh, these illusions are coming from the wrong part of the mind, the ego. And uh, it's all based on separation. It, it's just that some symbols in the dream are more fearful. Mm. You know, and these are definitely fearful. And there are uh, seemingly separated minds that pass on and don't know that they've passed on. You know, it's uh, one of my favorite movies about ghosts, uh, as you know, is uh, that great film, The Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah, terrific film, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like the little boy says, he says, they don't know that they're dead. Yeah. You know, they think they're alive. You know, they just see what they want to see. And uh, there are people who are kind of like stuck in between. And I've had uh, ghostly experiences uh, in my life. I remember once... I was at, uh, the last place I ever lived in New England was back. I ended up back where I was born in Salem, Massachusetts. Salem. Yeah, I was at the, in one of the oldest houses there. I was running an apartment. It's my last place that I lived in in uh, Massachusetts, and uh, I felt this cold, deathly presence, and uh, it it just felt like death. And there was this uh, being, this entity. It, it's like it went right through me, and it was a horrible feeling. And I got the feeling that whatever this being was, uh, it was very afraid, very angry, and uh, it didn't know that its body 
was not alive. And uh, so what I did, you know, having been on a spiritual path for a while at that time, I just spoke to it. I just communicated with it uh, for a couple of days. And uh, I never felt that presence again. Mm. And I think that the, what that little boy said, because M. Night Shyamalan, who wrote the screenplay for that uh, movie, really knew what he was talking about. And uh, the little boy said, I, I, you know, after a while, and, and he didn't notice it first, but after a while, he was led to the fact that they needed to be talked to, that they needed someone to communicate with them. Yeah. That, 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 that's, I guess, what they're there for. That's why they still seem to be hanging around. Yeah, and so if you communicate with them and let them know that, hey, you know, it's okay, and it's all right to move on, you know, it's all right to, to go on to the next place, you don't have to stay here, you don't have to stay stuck here, there's something better waiting for you. And uh, they'll pick up on that because, as the Course teaches, uh, every mind is joined. Yes, it may look like we're separate, but there's really just one of us, and every mind is joined, and you can communicate even with demons, and uh, as the Catholic Church knows through exorcism, uh, it's possible to communicate with these beings who are so desperate and so fearful and stuck. Uh, you can let them know that it's okay to move on, that they don't have to stay here. And they're just kind of like lost souls. But in a way, we all are, but they're more lost than most. And uh, you know, they really need that uh, education. And if you do that, if you communicate with them, you yourself are acting as a communication tool for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and of course, the Course says that uh, the body can be used as a communication tool for uh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, ultimately, so the that's, body, that's its only valuable purpose, really. Yeah, so even though the body isn't real, it can be used uh, for that purpose. So uh, that's what I would suggest to people who have to deal with any of these uh, paranormal things. Uh, a lot of uh, paranormal things are not unpleasant. They're not... Uh, they're bad, and, and so they will be interpreted as spiritual. But uh, the more negative ones, I think they have to be dealt with mostly with uh, communication. And uh, people might be surprised if they try to communicate in that way, because uh, they will be heard. And, you know, we always think of, as we said, opening up with this, uh, demons and ghosts and things like this are, are all very frightening. If we can change our mind to not have it from a fear-based perspective... Uh, as you just said, if you see them as just beings in great need and you become helpful, then you you put aside your fear. And your fear is your own projection. It is also part of the illusion. So as, as you said, you're aligning yourself with, again, the Holy Spirit is never fearful. So you're pushing this aside and allowing that lack of fear to help wipe out some of theirs. And you become part of the solution, which helps to solve part of their problem. Uh, so then also, then they're not scary anymore. It's now the friendly ghost. He goes, ooh, booga, booga. And you go, hey, you know, how can I help you? Suddenly it's not so scary. So it both solves your problem of being scared, and, and it also helps to solve their problem of being stuck. So, But, but real quickly, though, so what you're saying is that, uh, you know, there are, there are phenomena that do seem to appear in the world. They are not real, but then again, we're not either. But, but we have sort of an accepted version of what seems to be reality for us, and they seem, you know, paranormal or, or beyond our, our normal experience. But you're saying they're basically just, it's still a projection of someone at the mental level, but where the body would seem to naturally die, and then you would seem to be in a different body, rather than doing that, there's something that keeps them locked into their old uh, image 
and and they refuse to let it go until something gets solved for them. So that's kind of what it is. Yes, and uh, you know it's like they're stuck in a thought pattern. Yeah, and your communication breaks that pattern. Ah, and uh, it's very important, or else they'll just keep thinking the same thoughts and doing the same things uh, over and over again. But if you communicate with them, it, it puts new ideas. Uh, into that mind, breaks the pattern, and helps them to move on. And being helpful is an expression of love, and when someone is locked into a thought pattern of fear, love is what's going to help undo that. Right, and actually that's what the Course does with us. It breaks our thought patterns and uh, starts to, you know, kind of like move them in the direction of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, it's all mind training, and uh, when you communicate with, uh, you know, these people who are stuck where they are, you're actually helping to begin the maybe very beginning of their mind training, but you're you're starting to break those patterns that have kept them where they are for so long. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know you got to so, uh, go. I, I appreciate. I have, uh, I have an idea. Oh, okay. For our next podcast. Okay. Uh, and we've never done this. Why don't we just start the podcast and have just questions and the answers? Okay. I know we have threatened to do that a few times in the past, but something always, I think we were going to do that on this one, but then you, you had this incredible trip that you just had, and we want to talk about that, and other subjects then came up, and uh, yeah, and well, Ebola, uh, you know, we can't forget Ebola. Uh, so, well, yeah. I, already, I already gave people the travel log, so yeah, we, can, okay. uh, we can start right off. Well, and you so. say you don't have any big travel plans for the, for the short-term future here? Well, uh, yeah, there are some coming up, but uh, I don't have to. I've already been to Rio, and I've already told people about uh, Rio, so we don't have to talk about that. I've already been to Spain. Well, no, I meant in terms of scheduling another podcast, because we have to work around your your busy schedule. It's tough to uh, do a podcast when you're at some hotel in Moscow. Yeah, I am gone a lot uh, in the middle of the month. But I figure, you know, as long as we uh, do a podcast every month, we've been uh, doing better. It's been a little bit better than it had been. So I think, uh, and I, I think folks appreciate that. We, we a couple of people have said, "Oh, it's nice to hear more more frequent podcasts." You're very welcome. And uh, I think last time I apologized for how long it's been. There have been some circumstances involved, but uh, we're uh, we're doing better. Yeah, we are, and. Uh you know, the next one will be uh, number 53. That's yeah. quite a few. I know. Uh, people, you know, one of the good things is that people can still hear all of them if they want to. So uh, at uh, Forgiveness.tv. So right. That's uh, a really good thing. And, and I meet people every now and then who didn't know about the podcast or they're new to the course, and uh, they hear about it, and they, they start right with number one, and eventually they listen to every single one of them. And uh, even if you've heard them before, after if you haven't heard them for a couple of years, you know you can uh, go back and and it's uh, I think very interesting to hear it from the beginning and see how it progresses. And we cover uh, so much material and so many ideas uh, over the years. And uh, I think the next one to start with a Q and A. I mean, because when we have a question, uh, we end up talking about the course anyway. And uh, you know, it's just that. Uh, it's kind of like triggered by the questions. So why don't we try that? Next yeah. Time? No. no, that sounds good. We'll do that. You know what? What people can also do for us two things that would be nice on Facebook. We have our page for uh, the Gary Renard podcast and Forgiveness TV. You can just check out that and, and like our page. We don't. We have a lot of likes, but not that many. Thousands of people hear the podcast, and, and and I don't think we yet have a thousand likes, and we should. 
takes nothing. It's nothing to do there. Just click that little like button. And the other thing is, too, and I, I just let me ask real quickly for folks a, a favor. Uh, a while ago, they at iTunes, they pulled a switch of some kind, and we had to change the way the podcasts technically are fed into the iTunes system. And it was, it was not a big deal. It was behind the scenes kind of thing. But in doing so, um, all of our uh, material, the podcasts themselves, maintained their archive at iTunes. This is just if you go to Apple's iTunes, and but many do. That's the biggest podcast distributor in the world. And uh, what happened, though, is we had a whole bunch of nice reviews. You can give it a star rating, four star, five star, whatever it is, and you can write a little something if you want to. And we had a lot of ones, and all of that got wiped out when they made that transition. So right now we only have like three on there. We used to have, I don't know how many, it was a lot. And that has a lot to do with our ratings. And so then this way, uh, you know, we don't have like Doreen and other people beating us in the ratings in the spirituality category. <laughs> but part of it is based on those reviews and the stars and stuff. So if you, if you connect via iTunes, uh, which probably most people do, then uh, by all means, do us a favor. And if you enjoy the podcast, give us a nice uh, star rating and put in a few kind words. If you don't like them, uh, then just email me and tell me. But uh, no, we, we really appreciate that. And it does help us out in terms of not that it... <laughs> Not that it makes any money or anything. Oh, don't be silly. But it, it does give some nice credibility to what we're doing when we have good ratings in there. So so there's my uh, <laughs> my shill for help. Yes, and I think that people should be reminded that you do all this work for the podcast free of charge. And, uh, you know, it's really a great service that you've been doing for years. And uh, I appreciate it, and I know from talking to people that uh, many, many people, thousands of them, appreciate you're doing this, so uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking people to just no, you know, no, say no. so. And no, and I, so. no, of course, I don't want anybody to lie and say you like it if you don't, but uh, it, do me a favor. don't You don't necessarily have to share that with the world if you got a problem with it, but some do. Some people say, you know, do, you know. <laughs> usually it's a gene should shut up and just let Gary talk, but, you know, then it would just be a speech. It wouldn't be a show. Mm -hmm. So Well, then I'd probably lose my voice. <laughs> it so. could be. <laughs> I like it just the way it is. <laughs> Any uh, quick closing thought for us? Just a, some, a little homily from Father Gary to uh, set us on course as we as we venture into new territory. Well, uh, this is the time of year when Cindy starts to get excited about Christmas. And uh, so I do, too. It's kind of contagious. Actually, Cindy starts to celebrate Christmas in August, <laughs> but uh, but she gets very excited about it, and it kind of like uh, brings out the little kid in her. Yeah. And uh, so I, lately, I've been thinking about innocence and about uh, just uh, you know lightening up and enjoying life and enjoying the little things. Like we're we're going to go to the movies tonight. Ah. And uh, you know, just little things like that that I've always liked. It didn't matter whether it was in my twenties or thirties or. You know, now I'm uh, 63, God forbid. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, I like it just as much. And, uh, you know, I found that, yeah, you can get excited going to Paris, but uh, I feel good just going to the movies. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good time of year to start to feel the innocence and to, to appreciate the little things and and uh, to be grateful. You know, uh, I... Uh, went to uh, Judy Scutch's house Monday, a whole bunch of us, you know, the family, me and uh, Cindy's mom, Doris, and Cindy and her sister Jackie and her husband Mark, and, you know, we all went over to Judy Scutch's house and Wits, uh, Wits, her husband, he's the head of the translation program, 
uh, for A Course in Miracles. Judy, of course, is the original publisher of A Course in Miracles. And uh, Cindy asked Judy, you know, uh, after all this time with A Course in Miracles, you know, how do you live your life? And Judy said, uh, you know, no question. It's not even, you don't even have to think about it. Uh, the way that we live our life is with gratitude. So I would say, uh, you know, maybe that's something that we should all think about. Uh, just, just gratitude, being grateful. Uh, instead of focusing on what we don't have, focus on what we do have and uh, be grateful for it and enjoy it and enjoy each other and uh, be willing to be peaceful and have a good time. And here's an idea to help keep forgiveness front and center in your thoughts during the holidays. We just made available a Christmas season t-shirt that says Merry Forgiveness with a lovely Christmas star on the top of the logo. It's a beautiful red-colored Hanes tagless t-shirt with white print. It's very Santa-like. <laughs> it just became available to order, but it's a limited time offer, as they say on TV. So you have to place your order for this before the end of November short time offer. It's a nice way to help support us here at the podcast and forgiveness.tv. And it's a great way to put a smile on your face. Keep forgiveness in your heart throughout the holiday season. So we hope you'll pick one up and maybe even a second one as a gift for someone you love. You can find a link and all the info about our Merry Forgiveness t-shirts right on the forgiveness.tv homepage. Though we're releasing this podcast in November, it's obvious that we had our conversation together back in October, hence the spooktacular nature of much of the discussion material with Gary and I. But that was great. Uh, the story he told, the ghost story that he had his personal experience with, I had never heard that before. That's really remarkable. See, even I learn stuff about my buddy on these shows. So, yeah, keep the spirit alive within you. <laughs> If you'd like to hear more ghost stories and stories of all types, you might want to sign up for Gary's newsletter. He tells a, a story, a different story every month. It's always changing with him. No, I'm kidding. But he does have about a monthly or even sometimes a, a bit more often than that, uh, a newsletter that goes out to his list with updates about things he's involved with and stuff like that. You can sign up for that newsletter and get valuable information about Gary's schedule and other events in his life with he and Cindy together. You can do that at his website, and you know who named it. It is GaryRenard.com. And while you're going to websites, please uh, check out Forgiveness.tv. We have a newsletter there as well. I haven't done an episode of the newsletter in some time. I apologize for that. There have been reasons. I do have uh, some stuff coming up pretty soon, so I'd love it if you're not already signed in to please do so. If you did sign in, it's still there, even if you haven't heard from us for a while. The Forgiveness email newsletter list, you can find the link right there at Forgiveness.tv. And uh, while you're there at Forgiveness.tv, you'll also see links to my recording of The End of Sacrifice. That's the recording many of you have heard. 
probably a lot of you have not yet. And uh, that was the one that is from the text of A Course in Miracles, including the wonderful segment known as Christmas as the End of Sacrifice. And it's spoken word with some great music in the background, beautiful studio recording, perfect for this time of year and all year, but this time especially so. It's available both as a high-quality CD as well as a high-quality automatic MP3 download. If that sounds confusing, it won't be when you get there. You'll find that link right there at the home page at Forgiveness.tv. And right next to that, you'll also see our GoFundMe link right there for our fundraising campaign, uh, which has been wonderful, a true godsend to us for Helen and I helping us out with our medical debt from my crisis of a little over three years ago, as well as dealing with the eye and vision situations that you've probably heard about. Um, we have already, at this point now, we've reached about 58% of our goal. God bless you. Uh, all of the folks who, who have donated so far, I mean, it, this is truly life-changing for both Helen and I. I'm going to post a progress note on what's going on with my eye surgery situation. I'll be doing that pretty soon. If you have already donated, we cannot thank you enough. And if uh, any of you have not and you feel like you'd like to, whether it's large or small, We've had some very generous donations, and we've also had uh, lots of small ones, and it's all moving in the right direction. Every every penny that comes in, we bless, and, and thank you so much for that. So if you'd like to check that out and help us out if you can, you'll find the link to our GoFundMe campaign right there at the homepage of Forgiveness.tv. As we spoke about, our next podcast, number 53, will be Questions for Gary. And if you uh, if you have a question that you might want to get in there, well, I can't guarantee because we have a lot of old ones, but if we have so we try to blend some old and new ones if we can together, you can email me with those questions. You'll find my email address right there at uh, the homepage of Forgiveness.tv. And even if you just want to say hello, that's wonderful, too. I always love hearing from everybody. I truly do. And as always, the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented through Forgiveness.tv. All verbal content of our programs is copyright still 2014. Still Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. All rights reserved. All grievances forgiven. What else would you do with grievances? That's what they're there for. This is Gene Bogart saying thank you again so very much. I really can't tell you how much it means to uh, be in contact with people. I hear an awful lot of wonderful comments that people send in. And uh, even if it's just a quick, hey, love the podcasts. As Gary mentioned, some people have just recently discovered them and they have a, a treasure trove of podcasts to catch up on. And uh, they have these podcasting marathons. It's kind of like watching Netflix, isn't it? You just, you know, you go binge listening to the podcasts. <laughs> so... We really, really appreciate that. We both do. I certainly do. And uh, it's a real privilege to uh, have so many folks who listen to this show on a, such a regular basis for several years now. So you're never taken for granted. We really thank you and we bless you constantly. And until the next podcast, episode 53, there's one thing to keep in mind. And whether it's the season of spiritual strangeness... Or whether it's the Christmas season or the spring season ahead of us, I think it's safe to say that no matter what the season, and no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer.
That's Twisted Wave, which as we found out in the last program, Twisted Wave. Twisted Wave is quite twisted, Gary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but no more so than you and I. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, well, we're nothing if not twisted. And we're through being twisted, so we'll shut off Twisted Wave. <laughs> 